Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, Episode 81, Fear and Anxiety, Part 2. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. This is Dr. Donna Bevanley helping you heal your family legacy. And remember that you can contact me at healingyourfamilylegacy at gmail.com. You can go on my website, donnabevanley.com, and read my posts, read my blog posts. In fact, there's going to be a new one come up here in the next few weeks. And, uh, You can also read my book, Iron Legacy, Childhood Trauma and Adult Transformation. And that gives you all of the information, pretty much, that I've been talking about. And it helps you also heal your family legacy. So welcome back. And um, last time I left off with talking about the potential apocalypse at the Great Salt Lake in Utah. I was talking about how if the Great Salt Lake continues to dry up at the rate it is, we're just talking about maybe a year or so if something doesn't change there. Um, and how the birds would probably just come, find out there's no lake for them to go to, there's no food because they eat the brine shrimp, and they would just die. And that would be horrendous for everyone okay another thing that happens if that lake dries up based on science and scientific people around there um is that the great salt lake is just salty if you've never been there it's saltier than the ocean because it's it's been sitting there without a way to get out Okay, it doesn't, there's, there's all kind of water that's been running into it that's kept it a lake, a very big lake, but there's no outlet. And so it just stays there and that's why it's gotten salty. 
but it also has arsenic in it. It has other, it has other, uh, chemicals that are deadly to human beings. And we already know because of, you know, cause I've, that's my home state and most of my relatives live there is that big, huge dust storms have been happening there for the last few years. For about the last 10 or so years, these gigantic dust storms that come from all everything drying up in that desert, high desert, most of it. Um, and But if the Great Salt Lake dries up, and it's already drying up, so they don't know how you know, the quality of air is already affecting people, is that all of that dust becomes part of those big dust storms and people will start inhaling things like, oh, dust, or um, not dust, but arsenic and dust and all of the other chemicals that, that, that are in the Great Salt Lake and that are already on, say, the salt flats. Now, the salt flats, where you see those cars driving as fast as they can. It's like if you walk out there, there's a crust of salt on the entire salt flat. Underneath that is mud. But that's not how it is in the main part of the lake now. It's just uh, arsenic and other deadly chemicals. And if that becomes part of those dust storms, People in Utah are doomed. You can't inhale arsenic and, you know, some of the other chemicals that they were talking about that are in, uh, in the Great Salt Lake. It is drying up so fast. It's like a puddle now. It, they used to have sailboats on there. You're not really, you know, they, they never really had motorboats. Because the salt would kill motors. It's so, it's so salty. It's saltier than, like I said, the oceans. So you can't put a motor out there. It'll kill it. So the Salt Lake is drying up. It's apocalyptic for the state of Utah and especially the surrounding area of the Great Salt Lake. Let me tell you what happens. You've probably heard, if you've heard weather people talk in the wintertime about lake effect snow. Now we know that it happens big time in the Great Lakes, but the reason that's that the Wasatch Mountains and the Stansbury Mountains and the Ochre Mountains right there in Salt Lake, Tooele County, Davis County, all those counties that are surrounding the Salt Lake, the reason they have such huge snowfalls and great skiing in the winter is because of lake effect snow. It's a desert. So without the lake to, to make that lake effect snow happen, the snowpack is starting to diminish. What happens when the snowpack starts to diminish? All those beautiful streams, all those beautiful rivers that run into Utah Lake 
and the Great Salt Lake dry up. So then the water stops flowing. And that's one of the reasons that the lake is now drying up. And there's not there's not very much water running into those into that lake from those rivers. Why is that? Well, because there's a mega drought going on in the west. Not much water is going is coming from the sky. The snowpack's not like it used to be. And the number of people that that part of the earth is trying to support has, I mean, if you, if you were there when I was there growing up and you see it now, it's unbelievable. And I know that every city on the planet has experienced huge population growth. In fact, the world has suffered population growth. And I read that last year, we actually had a drop in population of 1%. We need a whole lot more if we're going to survive. But um, so, so now the, the rivers aren't running in. The snowpack is not showing up. And there are so many people in that part of the air in in that part of the state that you can't find anywhere to build and so they keep building anyway i just i just read where they're building a huge building in salt lake county somewhere it's actually in the city it's right in the heart of the city it's going to be you know, mega, mega building, right? And in the night, they had to pour the cement. They poured like 50 tons of cement in order to build this building. But they had to do it at night because it's so hot during the day. Now, what does this have to do with anything about my profession or my, my expertise in trauma? It's that what happens to people when they deal with intolerable situations as children is that they become numb to it. You would think that children that experience trauma would get hypervigilant to it. Well, they get, they, they get hypervigilant, but not in ways that will help them grow. They numb out. They just get numb to it. So that when they see it, or when they're experiencing it, they just get numb to it. And I have fear, this is my fear now, that we have become numb to all of the apocalyptic situations that we're dealing with right now. Climate change, Violence with guns that are ridiculous. Um, wars that need to be stopped. We're getting numb to. The number of a 
authoritarian states, and I'm not talking about state states, I'm talking about world states, the number of authoritarian leaders that are now brutalizing people and that our democracy is in jeopardy of becoming an authoritarian state ourselves. We might become an authoritarian per, uh, country before I, before I'm done living here. These are things that people have fear about. Now, what happens when people have trauma? Too much trauma, they numb out to it. And I, you know, I believe that one of the things that has happened to people in our country anyway, is that it's almost like the Stockholm Syndrome, right? It's like we, we get taken captive and then we become defenders of our captors. Instead of going, wait a minute, that's not working. It has to change. People just, it's like, okay, in order to live, in order to be okay, I just, you know, need to defend that because if I'm not defending it, I might get killed by it. I might lose my life for it. Now I'm kind of jumping around, but all these things all have a, all these responses to all of these situations have its base in childhood trauma. I think I've said, a few, I know I've said a few times, people ask me all these years that I've been harping about mental illness is a result of childhood trauma. We are not born mentally ill. We aren't. People who become mentally ill, first of all, need to get that mental illness, the symptoms of that mental illness, managed. Okay? And that could be through, you know, immediate trauma response. It could be through medication. It could be through uh, trauma. It can be managed through medication, short-term therapy, um, the trauma resilience work that's being done, meditation, ECT. There's all kinds of ways to deal with that immediate trauma. But underneath it is the childhood trauma that needs to be dealt with as soon as those symptoms are managed. Because when you don't, people get numb. They have a very strange response to trauma as adults. Okay, so I'm going to use this guy. I don't know if this is actually... Real, it's kind of a recent thing that I read about the shooter, shooter at the Uvalde massacre. Is that the reason he chose the classroom that he chose to go in and slaughter all those people was it was the classroom where he was bullied in the fourth grade. Bullies. People go out with our AR-15s and slaughter people, our bullies. They were bullied. I've said that before. If you're bullied, 
one of the responses is fight, 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 or freeze. So if you're bullied in school and nobody helps you, you have a fight response, you're going to get them back. You have a freeze response, you go into serious depression, and the message is, why don't you just disappear? So you might commit suicide. Freeze or flight, you run away. You get the heck out of there and you never look back. But that will also impact your ability to connect with other people when you get older. And like I said, many people have asked me, God, do you ever talk about anything else besides childhood trauma? I say not very often, especially these days. Why? Because the lack of, of a functional adult response to all of the things that are going on on this planet is a, is a result of childhood trauma. When people, when children's basic needs aren't met, when they're abused, abandoned, neglected in any of the ways I've talked about, or you could read about in my book, is that they don't respond to, to traumas and difficult experiences that happen to us all, all of our lives. I've talked about functional adult reality. What what happened? Just imagine what would happen if even half of the leaders of the country, countries, responded from an adult reality. That meant that they were they took good care of themselves. They dealt with reality the way that it really is. Not the way that they want it to be, not the way that they wish it would be, not diluted in some way. Reality. The way that it really is. What would happen if they all acted like adults? Well, for one thing, Senator Mitch McConnell, when when, when asked, what are we going to do about these you know, AR-15 situation. Well, let's see. Everybody should respond to it based on how they personally feel. What the hell kind of response is a, is, an, a, is a leader of a country? Why is he saying a thing like that? Rather than we have to find a way to get people out of a, out of their, you know, adapted adult child that makes them think that they all have to go have a weapon of war to live in the world, which is insane to think that way. We need to, we need to help people understand that they don't need an AR-15 personally to live in this world. And that when people are bullied, maybe we that's where the mental health situation comes in. We need to have enough people 
to deal with children who are bullied so that they don't become big bullies when they grow up. It's not complicated. It would take a lot of energy to do. It would take a lot of functional adults showing up to the situation. How about if world leaders were functional adults? Instead of riding around with their shirts off to show the rest of the world how strong they are, they would say, gosh, you know, we are dealing with a war right now and climate change. Let's see, what what should we do? Well, we should find a way to end that war. And we need to cut back on emissions or we will all die. I never thought, you know, I'm 71, I'll be 72 pretty soon. I never thought in my wildest imagination as a young person, and I don't mean as a five-year-old, I'm talking about being a 20-year-old young person, that my world that I love because I'm a nature fanatic that my world is that I love and that I do everything I do to take care of it myself would burn up and I would burn up with it. It, it was the concept did not exist. Now, I'll tell you when it did exist. When I was about 25 years old. Yeah. I started to read about this concept. And by the time I was 30, I was, you know, I had t-shirts made. I, I sponsored and created this thing called Walk Against Nuclear Arms. Okay. <laughs> and the t-shirts that I had made for this 35 my walk, which, you know, was to help raise money so that people would understand that nuclear arms and, you know, would be a bad thing. The t-shirt said, you can't hug a child with nuclear arms. I thought that was pretty clever at the time. Haven't seen it since. I still have the (laughs) t-shirt. Anyway, we walked and raised money and it was really amazing how much support we got. And that was that. But I realized, because I was reading at the time, I was reading scientific information, that there were too many people on the planet. And that if we didn't do something about that by allowing people to get access to birth control, that's all we were trying to do at the time. Give people in third world countries, fourth world countries, second world countries, first world countries, access to birth control. And now the United States Supreme Court's deciding that maybe we don't need all that. We'll see. And it's already stopped for us, at, you know, giving access to pe- women, mostly, in other parts of the world, giving them access to birth control. We were looking at zero population growth. It was a thing back then. Like, let's have zero population growth now, and perhaps we can save the planet. Guess what happened? Oh, a few people are practicing birth control, 
and only having enough people giving birth to enough people that there's going to be someone taking their place. I have one child. That was just me. I have one child. My child grew up, got married. They have one child, and they might have two. And that's it. It's called zero population growth. So that you only replace yourself. Now, if you do that now, okay, we're all going to burn up and die. Have to cut down the population growth. And, you know, some people are deciding not to have children. Personally, and I'm just saying personally, I believe that the wrong children, that the wrong people are doing that. People who are functional adults should help populate the planet. And when they think about what functional adult means, maybe they should, oh, give access for birth control. We're, we already, you know, I keep hearing this. I've been hearing this for a while, probably since Al Gore wrote his book about inconvenient truth. You know what we do in this country with inconvenient truths? We say, oh, that's inconvenient. I don't think I'll think about that. I don't think I'll respond to that. I don't think I'll do anything to that. (laughs) You know what Mother Earth says to that? Keep it up. You'll all be gone. And she's not doing it. We're doing it. So these are inconvenient truths. It's, you know, I ta- I started talking about fear. I said, I'm going to talk about fear because that was one of the suggestions that was made to me. Talk about fear and anxiety. I don't know if you remember way back when uh, during this podcast several sessions ago, last year, I think, as a re- actually, as I talked about fear as a natural and good thing to experience as a human being. And I think this will be a good way to wind this down. When your fear is based in reality, that means that there really is something to be afraid of. You respond appropriately. Okay? That means that if someone yells fire, you look around and you see, is my house on fire? And if it is, and I get afraid, then I leave the house and call 911. If someone's going to attack me, I fight. That would be a fear response. Fight, flight, freeze. I run from the fire. I fight the attacker because, oh, if you don't fight him, you'll probably die. And if if I run into a bear in the woods, I'm not going to attack that bear. I'm not going to flee. I'm going to stop. I'll probably freeze for a minute. And then I'm going to decide how to deal with it based on education. As human beings, we have something to fear right now. Fear that doesn't have a basis in reality is anxiety. 
if you can't, if it's not real, if it's not in front of you, and even if it's a hard thing to deal with, you better deal with it or you'll die. That's just the fact of life. If, you know, if there's something to be afraid of, you need to deal with it. And not, you know, and not like say with with the, the situation I talked about, the Great Salt Lake is part of the climate change that's happening. That may, the governor of Cox, you know what he said to that? Well, there's been droughts before. It'll end. Uh, no kidding. It will end all of us. But that's not what a functional adult governor says when they say, Hey, one of the biggest things that (laughs) made this area livable is going away. We need to deal with it. You don't say, oh, magic happens. That is not an appropriate response to something that you need to be afraid of. So we do need to be afraid of the fact that many of otherwise used to be democratic countries are starting to look like they're going to be led by dictators, oh, like our own. Democratic societies are, you know, it's like, be afraid of that. Do something about it. Climate change, be afraid of that. We'll all die soon if we don't. The access to war machines, AR-15s. We don't do something about that. It's going to affect you. Either it'll kill you or it'll kill someone you love. These are things we need to deal with. If we don't, we're going to die. So, there, you know, here's what you do. Is you say, do I feel like an adult? Or do I feel like an angry teenager who didn't get his way? So he's going to put his dukes up and go buy an AR-15 and take out a bunch of people. Or bullied by somebody. If I don't feel like a functional adult and say, gee, I don't like this situation. Maybe I need to get some help because there's nothing I need to do about it. Uh, Or maybe I'm depressed or suicidal. I need to get help for that. I'm not going to go out and buy an AR-15 and take a bunch of people out. So what a functional adult does is that they problem-solve the situation and act like a grown-up. And maybe I need to talk about what that looks like, but I'll do that next time. So remember, if you have, if you want to talk to me about anything, if you want to give me a response, Please give me an idea, some ideas about what you want to want me to talk about, and I'll be happy to do that. And it can be just anything. Why? Because if you're not mentally capable of dealing with it because you've got a serious mental illness or you too much trauma or you're, you know, any of those things I've talked about, you're not be able to deal with it anyway. So I can talk about just about anything. So. If you have something you want me to talk about, please email me at healingyourfamilylegacy at gmail.com. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. 
This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2022, Dr. Donna Bevanly, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.